0: put it over your heart and say this with me. This is my Bible, God's written living word to me. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might behold wonderful things from your law. We're beginning a new series this morning entitled, You Are Not Alone. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about our best friend. Say it, my best friend, the Holy Spirit. Friendship is one of those terms and words that you think you know. I mean, of course, everybody knows what a friend is and everybody knows what friendship means. But I was pleasantly surprised as I opened my Webster's Dictionary and read the following. Characteristics of friendship include affection, sympathy, empathy, honesty, altruism, mutual understanding and compassion, enjoyment of each other's company, trust and the ability to be oneself express one's feelings and make mistakes without the fear of judgment from the friend isn't that great Aren't those those are tremendous characteristics aren't they huh i love that now i want to share with you a definition from the urban dictionary have you ever read any definitions from the urban dictionary this is a dictionary that's online, that's been made available, that has some very salty definitions usually. In fact, sometimes they can be outright crude. And, and, and so I'm always very careful. But I, I felt like this one was worth our time and that I could bring it into the sanctuary uh, and house of the Lord. I hope that you'll appreciate it. Here's the Urban Dictionary's definition of friendship. Quote. People who are aware of how retarded you are and still manage to be seen in public with you. I'm not done. People who make you laugh till you pee your pants. People who cry for you when one of your special items disappear. And when you don't have enough money to get an ice cream, they chip in. They know all of your internet passwords and they'd never make you cry just to be mean." End quote. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that. Friend of the Holy Spirit. How many of you remember the TV show called Friends? Hmm? For those of you that don't and have never heard the words, if we could lower the lights, please, that front one, Beverly. And let's go ahead, gentlemen in the back. That, I was just aware of the jingle, you know, and I'd sing the chorus, but I didn't know all those words. And how about the words to that bridge there? No one could ever know me. No one could ever see me. Seems you're the only one who knows what it's like to be me, someone to face the day with, make it through all the rest with, someone I'll always laugh with. Even at my worst, I'm best with you. I submit to you, that's a definition of the relationship God wants to have with us through His Holy Spirit. Let's turn to our text, which is found starting in John's Gospel, 14. And we're going to read a couple of passages from chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16. And so you'll be right there in the vicinity. Let me give you some quick background here. Chapters 14 through 16 all happen at the Last Supper. Chapter 13, he washes the disciples' feet, and so right after he washes their feet, he goes into the Last Supper, which is chapters 14 through 16. Next morning at 9 a.m., he's crucified. And isn't it interesting, knowing that, was coming, knowing what he was headed for. In chapter 14, he begins the chapter with, let not your heart be troubled. Here's a man that knew he was going to the cross, the cruelest of deaths. And he was saying, let not your heart be troubled. How is that possible? John chapter 14, let's begin in verse 16 and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you critical point you may want to highlight that we'll come back to it now look at verse 25 and 26 these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. All right, chapter 15. Look with me at verse 26. But when the Helper comes, all right there's that word again, Helper, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning now chapter 16 look with me verse 7 nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper everybody say helper this is the third of only five times this word is used in all of the Bible third time right here If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. All right, let's go to verse 12. I still have many things to say to you. Another crucial point. You also might want to highlight that. That will come up in this series later in another message as we talk about the subject of the Holy Spirit and guidance, how you can know the will of God. But you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare it to you, Or to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, he's God. Now, before we start down that road of talking about the divinity of the Holy Spirit, let's be sure we understand there are not three gods. There's only one God. Isaiah 45 and verse five, I am the Lord. There is no other besides me. There is no god. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse five and six. For although there may be so or may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, through whom. Are all things and through whom we exist. We do not have three gods, we have one God, our Heavenly Father. But our one God expresses Himself in three divine characteristics or personalities God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit is God. Have you ever felt like there are some friends or maybe some family members? Or perhaps you've even heard this. You better watch out for those Christians that believe in all this Holy Spirit stuff. Yeah. You, shouldn't, you shouldn't be going to that, those Pentecostal churches or those charismatic churches where they do all of this Holy Spirit stuff. Now, wait a minute. If the Holy Spirit's God... Do you know what they just told you? You better watch out for God. You you don't want to go to any churches where God is. You don't want to go into any of those places where God is showing up and acting out. The problem is we really have not believed that the Holy Spirit is God. And yet he is divine. Acts chapter 5 verses 3 through 4 says this, But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. And because he's God, we can worship him. Because he's God, we can talk to him. And because he's God, you and I can develop a relationship with him where we actually talk to him, where he talks back to us, where we know him and enjoy a life with him. That's exciting to me. Now, all Christians have the Holy Spirit. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. We read in our text, he's with you, but there's coming a day, Jesus said, when he'll be in you. You see, at that time, the Holy Spirit did not dwell in Jesus' disciples. Let's look at the scripture. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper or comforter. We know this is the Holy Spirit. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as of yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Prior to Christ's death and his resurrection, individuals weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I know what some of you may be saying, and yes, there are a couple of Old Testament Examples that are exceptions to that and John the Baptist is one of them and his mother Elizabeth was another because she was filled with the Holy Spirit as she gave birth to John but the Holy Spirit could not indwell individuals and walk with them and have a relationship with them because they were dead spiritually. This is what God meant when he told Adam in the garden, The day you eat of this tree, you are going to die. Now, Adam lived for 930 plus years. But he died spiritually. And such is the condition of man without Jesus Christ. We are dead spiritually. But when we receive Christ as our Lord, the Bible says we're born again. Where does that happen? Do you all of a sudden have God's nose? How about his hair? Do you have the color of his flesh? How is it that when we're born again, we're in his image? We become spirit. We become alive. We're born again. And the way that happens is that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes into us and recreates us. In fact, you have the same power the same God-like characteristics that Jesus had when he was born of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible calls him our elder brother for that reason. God lives on the inside of me. I have his characteristics. And ever since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now has been poured out And everyone who receives Jesus has the Holy Spirit in them because that's how you're born again. Watch this. John chapter 20 and verse 22. Here's where the disciples who previously were not born again, who had to wait till Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Afterwards, Jesus appeared to his disciples. He walked into the room and he was having a conversation with him with them and during it he stopped and he said this and when he had said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the Holy Spirit that's John's Gospel chapter 20 and verse 22 for the first time Jesus' disciples received the precious person of the Holy Spirit in the new birth now you might say how is it that they were performing miracles during Christ's ministry And they weren't born again. That should tell you something. It's the power of God that does the miracle, not me. It's God's power, not my power. It's God's anointing, not my anointing. But thank God now that same power, that same God of the universe has come to take up residence in me through the Holy Spirit. You have divine life on the inside of you. Somebody said you're like a little god. Not big G, gods. But in a sense, you have his DNA. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Did you know that you can't even become a Christian? You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit indwelling you. So Paul said in Romans 8 and verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. It's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that gives us divine life, that recreates us in His image. Do all Christians have the Holy Spirit? Absolutely yes. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. So why did Paul in Acts chapter 19 ask, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Because he's talking about a second subsequent experience with the Holy Spirit from salvation, that is. And we're going to talk about that passage when we talk about you and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this series. I love this idea that the Holy Spirit is my friend. Now, here on earth in the natural, my best friend is my wife. If we were to go back to our definition here from Webster's, characteristics of friendship include affection. I feel that for my wife. Sympathy, oh, every once in a while. (laughs) Empathy, yeah. Altruism, mutual understanding, oh, we have a lot of that. Compassion, enjoyment of each other's company. Who else would we go to the movie with? (laughs) Trust, the ability to be oneself, express one's feelings. I mean, you don't want to see us on the off days you don't want to see me when I get out of bed you don't want to see her when she's in her pajamas and just (laughs) hanging around watching TV but it's okay for me and not just because we're married but because we are best friends again remembering this line from the friends TV show lyric uh, song no one could ever know me no one could ever see me seems you're the only one who knows What it's like to be me, someone to face the day with, make it through the rest with, someone I'll always laugh with, even at my worst. I'm best with you. See, in this natural world, Nina is my best friend. But in the spirit, the Holy Spirit is my best friend. I talk to him. He knows me. I'm learning more and more each day about him. And here's what the message translation says in translating our text. I will talk to the father and he'll provide you another friend. Now the word also stands for counselor, helper, or get this. In your notes there, you may want to write it down. Advocate. He's our helper, he's our counselor, he's our friend, he's our advocate. That's a legal term. In other words, the Holy Spirit pleads the cause of your life and keeps the blessings of the Father legal for you. He defends you. He supports and promotes your interests. If need be in a legal court of law, he makes sure you are accurately represented And the enemy has nothing he can say. I like that. Holy Spirit. You know me. You know my weaknesses. You know my strengths. You know when I'm sad. You know when I'm rejoicing. You know when I failed. You know when I'm doing my best. Holy Spirit, you really are a friend. I can't stand before the Father on my own, but in His righteousness, He's made me the righteousness of God in Christ. So, Holy Spirit, would you go and would you represent me? Would you be my advocate? Would you fight for me? With the enemies coming against me and telling me I'm no good, I'm a fool, I'm worthless reminding me of my foibles and the things that I do that are uncharacteristically ungodly. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you represent me. You argue the case. John's Gospel, chapter 16, and verse 8 through 9 says this, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Verse 10 Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is is judged. I think the problem that we have with this passage so oftentimes is we think it's a license for pointing out other people's sins. God's given me the ministry of calling the world into conviction and showing them righteousness and being sure that they understand the judgment of God is coming. And that's not what this passage says at all. Did you know that it's not even the Holy Spirit's job to convict the believer of sin? John said in 1 John that your own heart does that. Your own heart convicts you. Holy Spirit doesn't have to do that. But he does convince. Another word for, another meaning of that word convict is convince. He does convince the world of sin. And the word righteousness used here doesn't mean without sin or sinless. It means right standing with God. It's a legal term. The Holy Spirit reminds even us as well as the world when the gospel is being shared, when somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus hears the gospel, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convince them that there is sin and then to convince them that Jesus addressed that sin and has made a way for them to become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. I, an unbeliever, Unable to stand in the righteous presence of a holy God. I, if I'll accept it by faith, have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's why you should never preach a list of sins. Never witness with a list of behaviors in your hand to those who don't yet know him. Talk about what he's done. Talk about the finished work. Talk about the fact that, yes, while the Holy Spirit may be convincing you of the reality of sin, he also is working to show you this wonderful gift that if you'll receive it, you'll be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And oh, by the way, the third part of that is concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. It's the beautiful ministry of the Holy Spirit to remind us that Satan no longer has any place in our lives. Once we receive Jesus, that demonic being is disarmed. He is powerless. He has no right, no rule in my life anymore. He's been judged. And I give him no place. That's why Paul wrote, give the devil no place. You realize that's your responsibility? Somebody once said, well, the devil's been after me this week. No, excuse me, let's rephrase that. You've allowed the devil to chase you this week. You've allowed the devil to speak to you that way. You've allowed your mind to accept those thoughts. Because Paul said, give the devil, give Satan no place. Jesus said it this way, he has no place in me. I like that. And so now that Jesus died for us, he was buried, he rose again, he has judged Satan. Satan has no power over your life. And so it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to remind us of these three things. Yes, there's sin, but Jesus paid for it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and Satan has no place No power. I have authority over him. By the way, that's why Jesus did not hold long conversations with demons. This whole thing of having demonic deliverances where it goes on for hours and hours and casting out demons and this whole Hollywood exorcist idea, that's Hollywood, folks. I mean, the longest conversations that Jesus had with Satan or any of his demons was... Leave. (laughs) No, we got to find out their name. What's your name? In the name of Jesus, I command you, what's your name? Now, oftentimes in the New Testament, these demons were called lying spirits. What makes you think they're going to tell you the truth when you're commanding them to tell you their name? They're liars. They could tell you anything. You wouldn't know it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean let's deal with the enemy the way that Jesus dealt be gone <laughs> you have no place in me you're not part of my life you're not part of my body this is not your temple anymore that's the work of the Holy Spirit to remind us of this beautiful redemption that we have he's also called of course the comforter we've read that here and depending on your translation you'll see that word how many of you relate to the word comforter? <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I hear comforter, I think bedspread. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, depending on how your household runs, you have comforters on your bed. They're about this thick. (laughs) You know those old thin ones that are all worn out and they have holes in them and so forth? Or you have those nice, big, plush ones, you know, that you can take a running dive and land on your mattress and you just kind of bounce a little bit and and it just engulfs you in a pillow of feathers. Isn't that great? Those are the same comforters that your wife takes off the bed when you go to bed. Isn't that interesting? We buy these expensive comforters, but we take them off when we go to bed because those aren't for our use. Those are just for people to see. How many of you know there are towels in your restroom that aren't for you to use, Ed? They're for me to see when I come over. She removes them because they're for me to see, not for you to use, dry your hands, or dry off after a shower. Isn't that interesting how many things in our home are not for use, they're for others to see? And I wonder, how often is the Holy Spirit... Just for us to see, but not for us to be involved with and use. J.B. Phillips, in his translation of this text, says it this way. I shall ask the Father to give you someone else to stand by you, to be with you always. Doesn't that speak of a friend? Isn't that great? I just love that. Friend. So what makes a friend a friend? Relationship. Relationship is what makes a friend a friend. And here's what I know about relationship. The Holy Spirit is not weird. I don't know about you, but I go back far enough both in my religious walk my Christianity but even more so in my church history my acquaintance with denominational settings and charismatic settings Pentecostal settings and I've been part of churches and settings where too little makeup was wrong or too much makeup was wrong well where do you go with that? Too little? Too much? How many of you know that's not the Holy Spirit to be arguing about such things? How about movies? What movies you go to? You can't go to the movie. You're a Christian. Or how about this machismo attitude about the Holy Spirit and his leading? What do I mean by machismo? Well, that's an aggressive or exaggerated masculinity or strength you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't move because you get loud. <laughs> and I think when, whenever, male or female, have this exaggerated exertion of loud and machismo and I'm taking authority over the devil, I, I, just, I just think that maybe that's your response to the Holy Spirit, but I'm not so sure that's all the Holy Spirit. Because he he really isn't about being weird. He's not about being controversial either. The Holy Ghost. I I don't know why, you know, uh, most of our modern translations say Holy Spirit. King James still says Holy Ghost. So it's kind of freaky when you talk to people, especially people that are unchurched, about the Holy Ghost. It's kind of weird. People, people aren't oriented around a ghost that's holy. I mean, maybe little Casper, the ghost, you know, the friendly ghost, right? Uh, I don't know what people think of when you talk about the Holy Ghost, but he's not supposed to be controversial. He's our best friend. So if it's more fitting to talk about the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, our best friend, how many of you know if we had called him Bob? right i mean hey god why didn't you call him bob i'm going to go spend some time with bob see we all that would have been more acceptable wouldn't it i'm going to go spend some time with the holy ghost i just think we need to be careful of our terminology and be careful when we're around unchurched and unbelievers that we don't frighten them off with unnecessarily controversial things when all we're really talking about is our best friend god The Holy Spirit. How about manifestations? Oh, here we go. Manifestations can certainly be controversial laughing, falling, barking, running, speaking in tongues. And I think I've experienced just about everyone. I've certainly laughed in the Holy Spirit uncontrollably. I've fallen down. I've run around the sanctuary. I've spoken in tongues. I've never barked. I've never barked. (laughs) We probably have some barkers in here. But did you know that really all of those manifestations, and again, this will be part of our study on the Holy Spirit in this series, are under your control. Never once are we allowed to say, well, I just had to do that. It It was uncontrollable. That's not the principle of First Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. So while that may be your response to the Holy Spirit, it might not necessarily be the Holy Spirit making you bark, making you fall down, making you run, and certainly not making you speak in tongues. He did not make you speak in tongues. It's a benefit that you get to speak in tongues, that you have the pleasure of speaking in tongues, but Paul said that is under your control. And if there's no one there to interpret, be quiet and just do it to yourself. You do not have to stand up and blurt out a message in tongues because the Holy Spirit came on me. Now, while that's specifically speaking about the gift of tongues, it's also a principle about all manifestations. The Holy Spirit does not make you manifest. so the Holy Spirit is not weird and oh by the way and we'll spend an entire lesson on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues but why limit the evidence I think this is another reason why the the precious person of the Holy Spirit sometimes gets a bad rap is because we talk about the evidence of the Holy Spirit have you been filled with the Holy Spirit do you got the Holy Spirit Well, what do you mean by that? Well, do you speak in tongues? Well, no, I've never spoken. Oh, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit like I do. Excuse me? Speaking in tongues is not the evidence of the Holy Spirit's power or infilling. It's one of the evidences. It was the initial evidence in three out of five cases where people were filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. But why limit the evidence to only one thing when there's power, there's love, there's fruit, there's gifts, all of which we'll talk about in this series. And so I just believe like Paul said, look, regarding speaking in tongues, I do it more than you all. I wish you all did it. But don't let the abuse of that one gift keep you from enjoying and pursuing an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's a song done by a worship group. A worship group is Jesus Culture called Relent. I will not relent. There's a line in that song that says, and I quote, Don't talk about me like I'm not in the room. The Holy Spirit is a person. We should not talk about him like he's just an inanimate force or power that emanates from God. It's vitally important that you see the Holy Spirit as a person. Otherwise, you will never develop a personal relationship with him. So let's just, real quickly, I want to run through a couple of the characteristics that give him personality. Number one, he has a soul. There is a soul to the Trinity. For instance, Matthew chapter 12, verse 18, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. Here, referring to Jesus, Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, my soul is very sorrowful even unto death. So what are we talking about when we say that God has a soul? Well, God has a mind, a will, and emotions. For instance, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit has a mind. He also has a will, First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Jesus for you. The Godhead, or Trinity, has emotions. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve an inanimate. You can't grieve just a power force that emanates from the divine. (laughs) But you can grieve a person, can't you? How many of you have ever been grieved? How many of you know Jesus wept? Shortest verse in the Bible, three words, Jesus two words, Jesus wept in the Gospels. Well, here we're told the Holy Spirit can actually be grieved. I wonder, have I ever grieved the Holy Spirit? Do we dare ask him in our relationship? Do we dare ask him, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life right now that grieves you? Because he can be grieved. And if so, I want to deal with that. I I want you to remove that, show it to me, let's get it out. Because Holy Spirit, you're my best friend. Paul was conducting a crusade in a certain city called Samaria, and there was a witch doctor there called Simon, a sorcerer. And Simon, an unbeliever, full of witchcraft was watching this crusade and demons were being cast out and people were being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were manifesting as the Holy Spirit came into their, into their life. And Simon offered to buy the power. Acts chapter eight, verses 18 through 20. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of hands He offered them money saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands might receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Wow. You mean our relationship with the Holy Spirit can manifest in ways that are so powerful, so outward, that an unbelieving sorcerer would want to buy the power? That's what happened here in this crusade. So we must be careful not to object to the evidence of the Holy Spirit. We must be careful not to resist or strong arm the Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Spirit, you can go this far, but you can't go that far. No, our attitude should be, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to speak... I'm there. I'm all in. Holy Spirit, take me. I surrender to you. Manifest your great power and presence in my life. I'm all in. Peter said to Simon, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. I want you to take home a couple of takeaways Some action items. Maybe you'll just want to jot down a note. Number one, how do I develop a close relationship with someone? Well, then, how can I apply those same things to developing a close relationship with the Holy Spirit? So just ask yourself, what is it, when I think about my closest of relationships, what's made them so close and vibrant? Could those same things apply to me and the Holy Spirit in our relationship? Number two, what questions have you been asking about spiritual things that you haven't asked the Holy Spirit? He wants to know. He'd love to hear. Ask him. Oh, dear ones, we should do much more talking to the Holy Spirit than we even do Jesus and the Father. It was Jesus who prayed that another helper would come, guide, teach, lead, reveal, and be our best friend. And we treat him like he's just over there, and we sort of pull him out of the usher's closet... With all of our other things when we're setting up for church service. And so, Holy Spirit, be with Pastor Don when he leads worship. And Holy Spirit, come into our service and we yield to you. And Holy Spirit, would you now touch Ed and heal him? And we we sort of, and then when the service ends, we sort of tuck him away again in the usher's closet and we wait till service next week. We must stop doing that. We must realize that the Holy Spirit wants an intimate, personal relationship with us that's more personal and more intimate than any relationship you have in your life. Talk to him. And number three, begin discussing all of life with the Holy Spirit. Ask him that you want to know him better. Tell him you want to know him better and so ask him. Ask him if you can hear his voice. Holy Spirit, let me hear your voice more clearly. Show me the specific things of your will and the Father's will for me. All right, now, things you can pray, and we'll close. Just uh, maybe a couple of bullet points for you. Here's a couple of items that you can pray as you take away these action items. Also, be praying this way. Read John 16, verses 12 through 13. Reread those. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13. Pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you into all truth. Pray that you would grow in your friendship with the Holy Spirit. I hope you're writing. I hope you're remembering and I know sometimes I don't like to take notes either. And so I'll, get, I'll, I'll, get, I'll download the message or I'll go online and I'll listen to it. And I'll, I'll make some notes then when I have my, my computer applications open where I can type them right into where I'm always in day in and day out is in, in terms of my applications, my gathering that I do. That's good. But dear ones, I, I, I want to tell you that this series on the Holy Spirit I really consider to be the foundation of Christianity and the foundation of a year, the 2014, and what God is going to do in our midst. There is no more important subject, nothing more important for us to know about and study and learn than our friendship with the Holy Spirit and the difference he makes in our lives. And then finally, when you're praying about the Holy Spirit and praying about your relationship with Him, listen, ask for forgiveness for strong-arming the Holy Spirit. And and tell Him that if if there's an area where you're struggling in your lifestyle with maybe sin or some other area where you've been strong-arming Him, that you want Him to soften your heart about that and deliver you from those specific issues. I was praying as I was preparing for this very lesson and teaching, I realized that there were some areas where I was strong-arming the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? How many of you have watched a football game where you, you see someone who has caught a pass, typically, it's catch a pass, or it could be a running back who's making their way down the field, and a defender is catching up to them now and is reaching out to stop them, tackle them, impede their... Progress and the person running with the ball will stick their arm out straight and lock it to keep that person from being able to come in. Sometimes the defender will fall, sometimes it just keeps them long enough at a distance to where the individual can cross the goal or get the first down, but it's a tactic. And I'm afraid that I have used that. Where the Holy Spirit, because he is gentle, he's not weird, he's not controversial, he's every bit a gentleman. He comes, he gently speaks to us, and he he makes suggestions. He doesn't run us over roughshod and make us do anything. He suggests, he brings the will of the Father, and they just come in thoughts. And when he says, you know what, you really ought to take this other route home. You may want to listen to that, or else you could spend a couple of hours in line on the highway waiting because of that crash that happened a mile or two up the road. See, that was the Holy Spirit. When you're about to write that check for something that's a little unusual, and you say, well, I've got the money in the bank, but you've got this, this sort of yellow light in your spirit, just sort of a caution that comes up, and the Holy Spirit speaks to your mind and says, not, not now. Not now. Don't, don't write that right now. You might want to listen to that. <laughs> because what you don't know is next week, an expense that you did not plan for is coming. That that amount you're about to write that check for will be covered. It needs to be applied over here to this expense. And the Holy Spirit was checking you. This week on Friday, I was at a little party, housewarming party, and milling about and talking with different people and chatting. And I was standing across from somebody who I'd never met before. This was the first time meeting this individual. And they're talking about their life and some of the great things that are happening and so forth. And the Holy Spirit just starts speaking to me. Now, it wasn't a manifestation. It wasn't weird, you know. I didn't get weird. By the way, part of being weird is if if when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you, like, change your facial expressions and the tone of your voice changes and, and you start, you know doing weird things, you know? Again, that might be your reaction to his power, but that... I think you can be very much yourself as the Holy Spirit just came on me and I'm listening to this individual and he certainly sounds like a Christian. And all of a sudden this voice said, tell him that he's a gatherer and that I'm really excited about his ministry of gathering. And so I said, yeah, are you pastoring? He said, no. I, I, I mean, I did, did in Guatemala for a little while, but I'm I'm not doing that now. I said, well, man, you're just really a gatherer. And he sort of closed his eyes for a minute and he hung his head, not in defeat, but in realization God was beginning to talk to him. And then I just began to prophesy to him. Now, not foretell his future. That's not what prophecy means. The gift of prophecy, and we'll learn this in one of our lessons in this series, the simple gift of prophecy, the sixth gift in the list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, is simply meant for encouragement, exhortation, and edification. And so I just begin to share this word about him being a gatherer. And his eyes teared a little bit, and he kind of lit up, and I could see the Holy Spirit was blessing him. How does that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it doesn't happen. You don't get weird you don't change your tone of voice. I didn't say, well, no, I want you to know that, yeah, more more Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, there it is, Holy Spirit. You now, the Spirit wants to tell you, I think that would have just, like, freaked him out. Now, there are times, there are settings, you know, crusades, whatever. Everybody there is hanging from the chandeliers and bouncing off the walls and falling down and running around and barking and everything. And, you know, if, you know, it just is a weird setting and so you can be weird. But I'm talking about a relationship with the Holy Spirit where being supernatural is natural. Every day, he's your best friend. And when you hear that small, still voice, respond. Say, okay, I'll say that. I'll do that. I'll raise my hands. Let's stand.